and welcome to Rise and Thrive, the podcast where we find our way to happiness and peace, even when life throws us curveballs or disappointments. We can rise and we can thrive if we know how to meet those challenges. I'm Erin Warhol, and I'm here with my friend and my mentor, Mary Hayes Greco. Hi, Erin. Hey, Mary. Well, I'm excited about our conversation today. We have a special guest, award-winning documentary filmmaker, Dawn Mickelson. And she's joining us to talk about her new feature documentary, Risking Light. Yes, and I've seen this film, and it is wonderful. It's really wonderful, so I'm really happy to be here and and ask Dawn a few questions and hear about her new baby, so to speak. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome, Dawn. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and congratulations on Risking Light. Oh, it's thank you. really a wonderful film. <laughs> so it's a risk, I'm thinking. It's yes, a risk to make is. any film. And yeah. your film is appropriately titled Risking Light because it addresses the clutch people have about approaching forgiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. Don, if we could start there and you could talk a little bit about why you wanted to make a film about forgiving the unforgivable. I started feeling this need to find find a film, find a story that inspired me and gave me hope. Um, and <clears throat> met Mary Johnson and O'Shea Israel uh, while working on a, on a different project, and realized that was that was it. That was the story. Um, <clears throat> but wanting to do more than just their story feeling like what I really want to look at is forgiveness. I was raised with the concept of forgiveness, um, it, you know, that was religious-based and, and otherwise. And it had evolved over the years to the point where I I was like, what What does that mean? <laughs> I, I know it's something that we should strive for, but I'm, I'm not even sure what that means anymore. And so, and yet I saw Mary forgiving the man who murdered her son, and it was like, okay, she's got something figured out. After meeting them, starting to reflect on my own life and being like, oh, yeah, I've, I hold on to a lot of stuff. Mm. Personality-wise or just, you know, at that stage of life, I was like, there's, there's a fair amount of stuff that I'm holding on to here. And seeing it, you know, in their lives and how it changed their lives, I was like, this is something I want to know more about. I want to understand it in a different way. Mm-hmm. So. And so maybe, Don, if you could mm-hmm. explain the three stories sure. that you focused on, just mm-hmm. so our listeners have a, an understanding of, of what they are. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Mary and, uh, well, Mary. And um, O'Shea Israel um, murdered Mary's son, Loramian, when O'Shea was 16. I think Loramian was 20, 21. Uh, and so the, their story happens in North Minneapolis, and... O'Shea is convicted of that murder, goes to prison, and uh, Mary, over a course of a dozen years, goes on a journey of of healing and discovering what she needs to do to move on with her life, and that ends up involving forgiveness. The second story is of Kilong Ung, who is a refugee from Cambodia. He lives in Portland, Oregon, and he was a... uh, His family suffered through the Khmer Rouge. He was a, excuse me, he was a slave and he lost dozens of relatives to the Khmer Rouge and spends the next couple um, decades ruminating about 
revenge and what he would do if he could just get in the same place as a Khmer Rouge soldier or one of the people who had tortured him or his family. Uh, And he eventually goes back to Cambodia to see his family, who he hasn't seen in, in decades, and has that opportunity. And um, and his story is a story of forgiveness as well. <laughs> um, and then the, the third story is of Deborah Hawking, who is a member of the Stolen Generations out of Australia. And for people not familiar with that term, the Stolen Generations were Aboriginal children who were forcibly removed from their parents' homes over a course of 50, 60 years uh, as part of government policy to essentially... Uh, make these children white. Most of them were mixed race, light-skinned, and the government felt it was best to take them from their, um, as they saw, tribal ways and and backward ways and raise them as good white people. And so she lost, she had no idea who her parents were. She had no idea she was Aboriginal. Uh, She was put in a very abusive foster home and as an adult learned the truth of her life. And so coming to terms with multiple layers of forgiveness and the need to heal and move on was uh, Deborah's story. Hmm. Powerful stories. Yeah. Well, there's so much to discuss here. But one of the things that really struck me about uh, all of of these people and meeting them up close and personal over time is that while – they've done something really extraordinary. They are very ordinary people. I mean, I could really relate to a lot of the feelings that they expressed and the different thoughts. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that with the Mary and O'Shea story, the number one response we were getting from people as they saw that story was, oh my gosh, this is so moving and and so powerful. I could never do that. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I started realizing that that's kind of how... Um, media in general handles forgiveness stories is, you know, there's this profound loss or tragedy and then miraculously this person goes, I will forgive you and everything's beautiful and everything's peaceful and you don't see the messiness. <laughs> yeah, that just drives me crazy. <laughs> I bet yeah, it does. Say more about that. That, that <laughs> drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah because... Uh, that, that's exactly what the media does. That's what mm-hmm. Oprah did, what everybody did. They take the worst, worst stories, the mm-hmm. atrocious stories, the, sto- the shooter in the playground, I mean, the worst mm-hmm. stories, and they focus on people who have said, yes, well, we've decided to forgive it. And then all the millions of ordinary people watching this go, oh, wow, they're amazing, but I could never do that. Right. And meanwhile, they're busy uh, hating their neighbor and, and, and you know, <laughs> Uh, struggling with their coworkers and resenting their spouse and taking it out on their own health every single day with their ordinary forgiveness issues, which are, you know, rampant. And we don't think, oh, gee, I should be forgiving some stuff because it's so low grade. It's so. kind of like it helps fuel the myth that, that, only pe- the people who can forgive are people who are just sort they're of amazing. They're, they're amazing saints. and they can they're, forgive something. Right. I feel that. Either you succeeded in showing three remarkable people, uh, but they were remarkable because they undertook the gritty long-term work of of healing themselves mm-hmm. and then being able to let go of yeah. this, this issue. And we are all that person. 
we are all able to be that amazing and resilient. And I think by showing three people around the world, different cultures that accomplished this, these amazing forgiveness um, healings, is um, it moves it from you know admiration to invitation. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it nice. invites all of us to take our worst stories and, and put them down, put them to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and there's a fourth story in this, too, which mm-hmm. is O'Shea's path mm-hmm. of yeah. self-forgiveness, which, Mary, I know when we're in workshops, when I go to your workshops, that's always a big question for people about how on earth do you forgive yourself for doing something you regret or that was harmful. And so you mm-hmm. do a beautiful job, too, in the film of of, of O'Shea kind of taking us through that in a way where... I mean, he's just he's just wonderful in how he expresses it. Well, and what I love about O'Shea's story also is, yeah, he <clears throat> he owns what what he's done. He owns his past, and he, I mean, he talks about it publicly and talks with Mary publicly about it. And that, I mean, one shouldn't underestimate the the amount of of energy and strength that takes to go in front of a large group of people on a regular basis and say, yes, I killed her son mm-hmm. and, yeah. and own it time after time. And um, O'Shea really stood out to me the more I made, more and more I made the film because it is about Mary, but it's also about O'Shea. <laughs> there was so much transparency and truth in the way he spoke about his crime, but also how all of them spoke about their stories. And I, I was touched by the transparency and truth in Key Long's story when he talked about how he'd been ruminating on revenge. And then when he was over there, he was actually put in touch with someone who could torture and kill this person that you know was responsible for all these deaths. He could pay him a little money, and he would get tortured and killed. And this is something the man had thought about, and he was so honest about that. And then he realized, wow. I could do that. I could have revenge. And yet, who would I be? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was a, just a remarkable thing for me because most of us that have terrible stories that we entertain revenge about, we don't get even where, anywhere close to being able to do it. <laughs> no. You, <know? laughs> you just don't get to most of the You're time. You're missing the no. opportunity. You've got the motive. He was actually handed <laughs> the opportunity to have absolute revenge on an absolutely evil mm-hmm. act that hurt many, many, many thousands of people. And in that moment, he thought, but then I would be him. I mm-hmm. would be the enemy. Yeah. I would, who would I be? Mm-hmm. And he, he sought deeply for, uh, well, then how do we forgive? It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I felt like the char- we got to know each of the characters, each protagonist, and their stories really ripened. That was mm-hmm. the word that came to mind as I was watching them. And so I was really able to understand that it wasn't just uh, – you know, that they said, I'm going to forgive, and that's that. We got to see kind of the whole ebb and flow of what it takes to move forward and and find forgiveness and find healing, mm-hmm. and that it's true. It, it happened for each one of them. And we got to see kind of how life opened up for them as mm-hmm. they opened up to life in a new way of seeing their situation. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like, what, it makes a great case for forgiveness, Don. <laughs> Thank <laughs> <Really> you. <does. laughs> you know, because yeah. you see that and you go, that's true. That's real. Yeah. These people did this and, and look at how their life is better. And I don't think any of them had necessarily envisioned where their lives would head after that. All three stories 
and with the forgiver, <laughs> um, the person who's, who's done the work, which includes O'Shea, um, the ripple effect of their forgiveness is much bigger than any of them would have imagined for themselves. Uh, and they all take on different missions in their lives that I don't think would have been there without it. Um, and so it, it is that, that piece of, of not only have they done the work and they've healed, but it opens things up. Things move forward. Their life bloomed forth because it had right. been held in abeyance with these, these fetters of these old stories. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I think the notion for anybody who, who holds that question that you held as you were mm-hmm. embarking on this film it are, is something unforgivable. Can you forgive the unforgivable? Or one of the questions that I feel like is a core question that I hold is, can anybody heal from anything? I feel like this, the stories that, that you explore and how these folks all share their inner, their inner thoughts and feelings about them really helps people move along. And so I, I'm really hopeful that people will see this film and really get to take of, they probably need to see it a few times. <laughs> yeah, they I could, did. I suppose. Yeah. It was, it was just, I was just getting started mm-hmm. when it, when it ended. I'm like, Oh, it was so beautiful. I want more. Yeah. I want to uh, talk about how cleverly this film uh, addressed several of the big questions people have about forgiveness. Oh yeah. And also, demonstrated my understanding of forgiveness which is there's there's an energy moment there's a moment where spiritually something happens and the thing mm-hmm. just leaves you so in the first story with mary and o'shea um you know it's unforgivable the man shot her son you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's one of those quote unforgivable stories and yet it shows us the interplay between uh the courage of of restorative justice and meeting the offender and and trying to put a human face on each other and Mary's moment of forgiveness which happened you know as after she visited him in in jail and this this amazing energy thing she describes mm-hmm. that almost knocked her to her feet as she really let go and forgave this man and he was there for her as she did it mm-hmm. so there was those two things side by side that was really cool yeah. and then you had Kilong and he's he's really dealing with an unforgivable situation. I mean, the loss of his culture and slavery and, and all his relatives and everything. And, and that revenge, that revenge, you know, hunger that he had and actually getting the opportunity to do revenge and then backing away and going, but wait. Mm-hmm. And then that, how the, how the forgiveness, he realized, oh, it's for me. It's for me. Mm. It's so I can be free. It's so that I'm I'm doing this for humanity, right. for me and humanity. And and he found peace. He clearly found peace. You could see it. Mm-hmm. And and then in um, Deborah's story, the uh, the parallel I saw between what the government of is it Australia or <laughs> yeah. Australia yep. did to the indigenous people and. What our country has dealt with with slavery mm-hmm. and African Americans is like there's always this kind of question of like, you know, would it help if there was an apology? Would it help <laughs> if there was an apology for this big thing right. that we did to a certain people? And the answer was yes, no. Mm-hmm. In Deborah's case, she got to it on her own for her, 
Because her ancestors and her uh, elders were saying, yeah. you, you really need to forgive. It's, it's our way. It's what you have to do. It's what you need for peace. She got there spiritually, mm-hmm. and the government issued an apology, which obviously was very moving for so many people and yeah. really helpful for so many people. Mm-hmm. So I, the answer was... Uh, no, you don't have to have an apology. And yes, it's great to have an apology. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's yeah. just consider yeah. both those things. Yeah. Anyway, so the film, those those three stories uh, entertained uh, some of the big questions people have about mm-hmm. restorative justice or revenge mm-hmm. or apology and that sort of thing. But in the end, the three of them all got to like, no, this is peace for me. Mm-hmm. This is my moment with me and that great mystery that we're in and I'm finding peace. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting you bring that up just because I was thinking about, um, something that comes up a fair amount. You probably get this question all the time is the, the juxtaposition of where people try to juxtapose, juxtapose, uh, <laughs> forgiveness and justice. Um, right. You right. know, that it's like, if you forgive that somehow, that mutes your ability to seek whatever justice means to you. And, and that was not, you know, that's not the case. I mean, with Deborah, the forgiveness is there, but she's not going to stop saying, you know, seeking help for Aboriginal people and seeking um, better support for right. their healing. She was clearly a, right. still a justice warrior yeah. for her people, but she was doing it with light instead yes. of dark yes. in her heart. She was doing with from the other side of the mountain, from from a space of freedom. That, exactly. that is so huge, and that is yeah. so relevant. And I think about that just in terms of my own work that I've done with Mary on forgiving a story or something, and and having to get past that threshold of like, wait, am I saying this is okay? No, I'm not saying this is okay, but I'm saying I want to heal, and so I'm going to forgive, and then getting through it, and then I can see straight. You know, that I'm not <laughs> right. blinded by and rage then you can and choose. Resent- yes. Do I forgive yeah. and sue somebody? Yeah. Do I for- you can. Yeah. yeah. You Do can. I forgive and put them in jail? You yeah. can. Mm-hmm. Do I forgive and and decide never to see them anymore because they're toxic and mm-hmm. not good for me? You can do that too. Mm-hmm. So it's such an important understanding for people to come to. And uh, it's still um, it's still not something people understand Mm -hmm. but people will understand it as they see more examples and learn more stories and so that's why it's just so wonderful that you have this film out in the world very cool yeah very cool. Well, Mary, do you have any uh, wrap-up thoughts here? I, I I could talk all afternoon, but I do know that Dawn <laughs> has do. other things she has to do. Uh, well, I just want to encourage people to go see the film. Yeah. I you. want to uh, <laughs> say, may it, long may it live, and, and may it travel around from film festival to film festival and beyond. And, uh, it's, and I hope it's really um, um, find its, finds its pathways as an educational film. Um, about forgiveness because it's fabulous. So how do people see it? Well, so coming up in (laughs) April, we have the Minneapolis-St. Paul Film Society Film Festival. So that's, what, April 17th and April 29th, I believe. 22nd. 22nd, thank you. So you go online (laughs) to the Film Society. But then eventually you're hoping that people can see it other ways too? Yeah, I mean, once we get through our our kind of festival run, and we're actually starting to compile a, a list of organizations and groups around the country that we want to partner with, uh, to do community screening so that people can take it into their community and they can have a study guide and a you know group conversations afterwards or bring it into a oh, conference that would be great. and yeah it would be 
Oh, I'm really excited about that part of it, actually. <laughs> um, and we have a partnership with the Forgiveness Project out of the UK, um, who has kind of a speakers bureau of people who have stories of forgiveness. Uh, so if it screens in Europe or in Asia, there's somebody in a relatively near location who could potentially come and tell their story. If it were to come to that, I'd love to partner with Mary on, you know, bringing Absolutely. it to various places. I just, I feel like there's so many contexts in which we can bring this story and then be able to create dialogue afterwards so the audience doesn't just leave going, now what? Right. You know? right. <laughs> what right. do I do with this? And, yeah. and what do you hope for your audience? What is it that you hope that their takeaway is as they go through this? Um, I hope they take away what I took away from it, which is... Uh, element of self-reflection and what is it in my life that, that I can let go of, mm. um, what's holding me back. Um, yeah. Cause I think that's what I, I learned from this film and I would love it if, if this was a catalyst for that. Oh, that's great. Well, thank oh. you so much. If more people would risk the light. There you go. <laughs> All right. If people want to find out more about risking light, where, where do you want to send them? Uh, probably the best place to go would be the film's website, which is riskinglight.com. Uh, we, we also have Instagram and Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts, but that uh, the website is where you'll find everything, find the upcoming screenings, ways to connect with us, and hopefully in the near future, ways that we can start doing these community screenings and bringing it into people's hometowns. Wonderful. Filmmaker Don Mickelson, thanks so much for spending time with us today. We really appreciated hearing about your film. We're so excited for you. All the best. Yeah, all the best. You've been listening to the Rise and Thrive podcast with Mary Hayes Greco, and I'm Erin Warhol, and special thanks to our sound engineer, Daniel Zamzow. See you next time. See you next time. (laughs) Oh